yeah, uh, yeah. Phone ringing for the work. They waiting on me like the 15 and the first. I'm killing competition, put them bitches in the hearse. Been diagnosed with a sick flow, where the nurse. Yeah, do it for the city, but the hood getting turned. With the money going around like an offer in the church. Shit, this shit was a race, promise I'ma finish first. Taking shots from my spot, got me leaning like I'm Dirk in the playoff. Bitch, I want that Mark Cuban payoff. Fly as a G6, waiting for the Let's be grateful, people. Hustle like there's only six that on the play We have. A great life that we're you know we wake up every morning we piss excellence together we wake up feeling good feeling feeling like ourselves feeling like the best version of ourselves and you know some days you have your off days that's fine you know we, we all have those tough days you know today it was a, it was a tough day tough right but I think I sit down, I think to myself, what a great day to be a night. Not only that, but at least I'm not Antonio Brown. Let's be honest. Let's just throw that out on the table. The fact that I'm not Antonio Brown right now, I'm, I'm blessed. Way up, I feel blessed. You know, I, I got 20-20 vision. 20-20, but I can't see nobody, right? As the famous poet Travis Scott once said. Okay, I got a copy, all right? Man, what the fuck is happening with that man? You know, ever since the Oakland stuff, I've kind of just said, I'm kind of done with Antonio Brown. And I never really wanted to talk about Antonio Brown. But now, like, dude, that dude has a warrant for his arrest on battery charges. Literally. He tweets something egregious every day. I don't follow the guy. And yet I see him every day on my Twitter, every day on my Instagram, saying some really outrageous stuff. And now this man has a warrant for his arrest. Like, I, I thought the OBJ thing was bad when he slapped the, the, the cop's ass. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. What is that cop doing out here with all this ass? Double-cheeked up on a Monday night after the championship game. Hella ass. The sun is still out. Man, like, you can't just do that. You can't do that. But, yeah, that's one thing, right? It's just drunk OBJ. And, yeah, that's fine. Like, it wasn't a big deal. It was just kind of a stupid thing to do. But Antonio Brown, I think he does something stupid almost... Three times a day. Like, it's it's his meal plan. I'm just, I, I just want to start that off. Like, let's be grateful that we're not Antonio Brown. Prayers up. You know, we're, we're feeling good about ourselves in 2020. That man's going to be in jail in about 24 hours. Um, and it's not surprising. After after everything that went down. Ah, uh, man. What a... What a... What a Madden curse that was. Really? Like... I thought the dislocated kneecap for, for Patrick Mahomes was bad. Oh, man, man in 19 takes the cake in in Madden curses. I, I think there's just it's reached a, a, a peak that cannot, can no longer be reached. So be grateful that you're in, not Antonio Brown. And if you're Antonio Brown listening to this right now, I mean, thanks for the, the listen, but I think you got other things to worry about right now than hearing a... Uh, a random guy from 
Fort Worth, Texas, talk about you on his on his podcast. I think you got other things to worry about, man. You know, hey, if the glove don't fit, you're good. That's all you got to do. You'll your thirty for thirty will be amazing. Like it really will. We'll get a lot of hits. All right, but back to where where we're gonna start off this podcast. You know. This is the whole reason why we're talking about this specific topic today. Episode 106 on the Bubba Lutz Sports Podcast. If you don't know already, I'm your host, Bubba Lutz. <laughs> Surprise, right? Today, we are talking about something that's been going through my mind since the college football national championship game last week. And one of the, you know, I keep thinking about it, it's a hot take, but really... A lot of people are just making this joke. I, I I think I look at it in a different perspective. But the whole topic about today, and my take for today's podcast, is why Joe Burrow will be one of the biggest bust, if not the biggest bust, in the NFL for years to come. And here's my first reason why. Is looking back... Actually, I mean, that's not even technically the first uh, first reason. The first reason is the Cincinnati Bengals. He is going to get drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. Reason number one. And I, I have so many elements to the reason why just the Bengals drafting him will be such a detriment to Joe Burrow's career that there's it's sad it it really is sad to think that this man's career might be wasted and that talent from Joe Burrow will be wasted for for so many years because there's nothing positive about going to Cincinnati let's think about just last year Marvin Lewis is gone the the whole era of Marvin Lewis and a new like rebirth a rebuilding stage of the Cincinnati Bengals is underway under Zach Taylor, who previously worked as the quarterback's coach and assistant wide receivers coach in Los Angeles with the Rams. You're thinking, wow, they're trying to do the same thing that Los Angeles is trying to do. Hey, you know, I'll say it all day. Defense wins championships, but most of all, it's a copycat league. Eddie, you know what I'm talking about. It's a copycat league. Everyone is trying to do the Sean McVay. Is get a young, unexperienced, in a sense, head coach that brings a, a whole new mindset to the offense, a creative, fun, just motion-filled offense and creative way to look at an offense and, and bring some energy into the locker room. That is what's perfected by Sean McVay. That is what every other team has tried to do ever since then. And Cincinnati is one of those teams. By bringing in a young, unexperienced head coach that is offensive-minded, that is a quarterback's coach, literally and metaphorically, that was a quarterback in college, that was, um, that was a quarterback in the NFL, that was a quarterback's coach for most of his career so far, offensive coordinator for some years in Miami, Zach Taylor is their Sean McVay. And by all means, one year should not determine a coaching career. Unless you're Freddie Kitchens. That man did not deserve the job. 
And really, when they hired Zach Taylor, I had to look up who that man was because I had no fucking clue. But let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. One year for Zach Taylor did not go well. They went 2-14, and 14, hence they have the number one overall draft pick in this year's draft. 2-14 and 14 with a nine-year experienced veteran quarterback in Andy Dahl. And you look at that offense, for most of the year they did not have A.J. Green, who is their best weapon on offense, and I get it. Not having a guy like that who has had some injuries, a lot of injuries in his career, to not have him for the majority of the season, it is a huge, huge loss. Yet, when we look at this roster, under a new head coach, a fresh, revamped you know, type of aura to the Cincinnati Bengals organization, you still have a lot of promise to work with. You have Joe Mixon. You have an uh, up-and-coming, young, fast running back that has done very well in his first few years in the NFL. You have John Ross, who after that first stint of his career where he was injury-prone and never got his, his foot settled into the NFL, finally felt like he can be on the field for longer than a snap and be productive. I, I love that. John Ross is a really good deep threat down the field. You have a good, not great defense. Um, you still have some weapons like Tyler Boyd. And you can work with it as long as you get through the season. And then when you add A.J. Green, you can get something going under a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not special. Andy Dalton is good. He's kind of just meh, right? All throughout his career, he's kind of been just like up and down, but right at that median of just okay, good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So you think a nine-year quarterback who is finally under a quarterback's coach offense, who is an offensive-minded guy alongside their offensive coordinator in Brian Callahan, who is also a quarterback's coach, an offensive-minded guy. You think this might be one of the best years that Andy Dalton might have with the Cincinnati Bengals and probably the best of his career. Cause now he feels like he can start a whole new no like a whole new type of of season or kind of a new level to his game. Now that he's kind of open to creativeness, now that he's open to an offensive minded team, no longer just a stale Marvin Lewis, you expect more out of a a okay quarterback that has weapons around him. Yet, last year, for Andy Dalton, it was one of the worst years. I would say his second worst year of his career behind his rookie season. Look at the stats, people. He played right around the same amount of games. In 2011, he played all 16 games. In last year's season, he played 13. In that season, 2011, he went 9-7. and He had a 58.1 completion percentage. He had just... Under 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's okay for a rookie quarterback, you know, coming out of TCU. He was good, not great. Let's progress from there. And the A.J. Green relationship was going to build. There was some promise with Andy Dalton. That was okay for 9-7. and seven. 2019, he plays 14 games. He goes 2-11. and 11. He has a completion percentage of 59.5, just a little bit over of what he did in 2011. 
he had just under 3,500 yards. He had 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. So less touchdowns, more interceptions, an okay, or a better completion percentage, but not by much. That's still below average compared to his rookie season. And the only other bad year he really had was, what, 2017? Where he actually had a lot of touchdowns, 25, less interceptions than 12. His completion percentage was just under 60%. All those other years, you're right around the 61, 62 range, which is still right below the average of the NFL. How can you judge a quarterback-minded offense in Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and yet get one of the worst years in Andy Dalton's career where he actually got benched at some point behind Ryan Finley, who was drafted last year. He was so bad last year in a new offense that they'd rather put in the rookie quarterback just to see what they can do. And that didn't even work. They end at 2-14. and 14. So, how can a veteran quarterback like Andy Dolan that's okay be even worse in a new offense, in a worse system that is supposed to fit him even better? And you expect a great quarterback to flourish in that. When you look at the stats of sacks given up per game, the Bengals were the bottom half of the league giving up about three sacks per game. One of the worst in the NFL. They don't have an offensive line. They have weapons, but if you don't give Andy Dalton time, if you don't give Finley time to throw, what's the point of having those weapons? How can you let John Ross go down the field and wait for him to get to 20 yards down the field when you only have about a second or two to throw? That's not enough time. Even the John Ross, who is one of the fastest guys in the NFL, he had one of the best 40-yard dash times ever. He, he can't get down the field that fast. You need to give him time. That's why Joe Mixon struggled so much last year, as he didn't have an offensive line to go with. How can you set up the play action? How can you set up a balanced offense when your offensive line is just letting them go? Why You can't go 2-14 two, two and 14 and expect a Joe Burrow to just come in and change the whole dynamic of this team and finally say, well, our quarterback coach, our quarterback offensive coordinator, finally, if you give him an actual good quarterback, we'll just put it together in the end. That's not how it works. No matter how good your quarterback is, it doesn't matter when you don't have an offensive line, you have weapons around him, but if you don't have time to throw, then you don't set up the running game. You definitely don't set up the passing game. Then your defense is just out there for longer time. That's where your quarterback is not going to be warmed up. He's going to get cold. And then all the dominoes start to fall from there. And speaking of good quarterbacks that go to bad organizations, let's look at the history of quarterbacks around the league that went to a bad organization and are expected to basically rise up against that. Let's look at last year's draft. We'll go through many years because really there's been a lot of cases right now in the league to where those highly anticipated quarterbacks that shine in college are just there in the NFL. They're not they're not special. They're not they're definitely not at this point in the in the in the season right around the Super Bowl or even close to the to the end of the playoffs cuz 
they're going average. They're going below average during the regular season. Let's talk about last year's 2019 draft, where the expectations for these quarterbacks were not as high as Joe Burrow. You know, Kyler Murray is the number one overall draft pick from Oklahoma, goes to Arizona. Now, you can say that he had a lot of hype behind him. By all means, you, you can say that. I will not argue that he had high expectations. But did we have doubts about Kyler Murray? Of course. Kyler Murray is 5'9". Kyler Murray can't see over the offensive line. He is a small quarterback that if he gets hit once, he may be banged up for the rest of the game. If you get him, if you can sack him, he's going to be hurt and he may not last far into the season. He may not last a long time in the NFL. So all those doubts of, well, Drew Brees is the exception because Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Like he doesn't have to be tall, but he's a pocket passer. He makes it work. Kyler Murray comes from an Oklahoma offense where he can just run around, run around the pocket. If it collapses, he can just run. He's more of a running quarterback. He has a good arm, but he's a running quarterback. And his size just doesn't fit in the NFL. And then you have an unexperienced Cliff Kingsbury coach who is his first time in the NFL, how can he run an offense that's not pro style to fit in the NFL when it's more of a college offense? Well, you look at Kyler Murray and you say, he didn't do all that bad last season. You know, they were below 500, but for what was expected out of him, he has a he actually has an argument for rookie of the year, you know, for what was expected. I had low expectations of Kyler Murray. I wanted to see him succeed, but how, like, do you really expect him to be at the level that Joe Burrow ended his season in college? Absolutely not. Kyler Murray had a Heisman Trophy winning season, but he didn't break records. He didn't have a perfect season. They didn't win the championship. They didn't go super far into the playoff. So how can you judge Kyler Murray at the same level as Joe Burrow when there were so many doubts about whether Kyler Murray can transfer over to the NFL? In that same round, Daniel Jones went six, and that was a surprise pick for the New York Giants. He had some time to go under Eli Manning and learn from him, but even then there were so many doubts about Daniel Jones. I thought he wasn't worth that six-round pick. So those expectations for me were low from the beginning, and a lot of people I don't think would say they had high expectations for Daniel Jones. He was not going to start immediately. He was not going to be a star-studded quarterback. He was Eli Manning 2.0. And that's exactly what he got out of him during the season. Is one week, he looked pretty good against a Tampa Bay defense. And the next week, he did not look good against New England Patriots. And he kind of looked like Eli Manning. He had his fun, fumbling problems, did not win divisional games. And then Eli Manning actually ends up starting at the end of the, of the season. So how can you say that his Daniel Jones is a success story or even a bust because he's just kind of been there? He's just been meh. Dwayne Haskins, that organization is a mess. And that's another example of how can you go into an organization like that, coming off a star-studded, you know, historic season at Ohio State, and expect to just change everything. He didn't start at first. He's He went under Case Keenum. Colt McCoy got a start at some point. And Dwayne Haskins was just thrown in there. And even when he did get the start, that organization is falling apart around him. That's not high expectations for me. I love the player, but that's another example of you go into a team that's that's picks number 15 in the draft, but they're still really bad. 
you're not going to get much out of him. Let's look at past years as well. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Even that entire draft in the first round. You got Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. All of those guys, even Lamar Jackson, is they did not go to organizations that were ready for that type of player. Baker Mayfield had a good rookie season, had a really bad sophomore slump. Sam Darnold had an okay, but eh, rookie season, and he pretty much had the same season in his sophomore year. They're just there. Josh Allen was actually one of the best out of this class because he actually got the, the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs, but that's a lot more to their defense. And he has a lot of doubts about his deep accuracy down the field. Josh Rosen was a, a really good pocket passer, a really mechanical, perfect quarterback, but went to a bad organization that never trusted him. And Lamar Jackson, everyone thought he was a running back. So no expectations there as far as getting to the quarterback elite level other than Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, but they went to bad organizations and they didn't have the same expectations as Joe Burrow. Really like going through all these years, like one of the closest ones is Deshaun Watson. Now everyone thought he'd be good, but not great like he is right now. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm not as high on Deshaun Watson as most people, um, but when you come in a, a draft that Mitchell Trubisky went number two, Patrick Mahomes went 10, and we'll get to Patrick Mahomes because he's one of the arguments I will make right now. After that, really, I would say the years that where we had high expectations at the level of Joe Burrow was like 2015 with Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And those guys aren't really working out. And really, the only other years were maybe 2012, Andrew Luck. And he worked out, but it paid the price for him. He was a really solid quarterback. He did not break every record. He didn't have a perfect season, but he was a great leader. He had great mechanics, and you want to get behind that type of guy, which is really nice. Russell Wilson from that draft as well. The year before that, Cam Newton. You know I don't like Cam Newton, so nothing to be said after that. Sam Bradford. Dear God, do we have to mention that? And really, the one that stand out the most is probably, probably um, Carson, Carson Palmer, which actually surprised me. He went to the Bengals as well. You know, under Marvin Lewis, he came from USC, and he had a star-studded career there to, to pave the way, really, for guys like Matt Castle, Matt Leinart, that would set up the dynasty that was the USC Trojans in the mid to early 2000s. And Carson Palmer, you know, didn't have the high expectations like we keep mentioning on here, but he went to an organization like the Bengals that was, you know, really at a, a really bad point, and... He goes number one, but he's really remembered most for his years in Arizona where he led them to to great years alongside like Kurt Warner um, to, to work alongside Larry Fitzgerald, to work alongside great star-studded players and to reach at a, at a pinnacle level for that organization. Um, but that's a, an example of like why I think if Joe Burrow went to another team, let's say he doesn't work out in in Cincinnati, maybe three or four years down the road when he, his contract expires for his rookie deal and he's given the choice of, of leaving, I'd leave without a doubt. Like, really, I, I wouldn't hesitate to move out of there because Carson Palmer should be your example of, like, how great a quarterback can be, but his best years are with another team. His best years are just in a different system. As long as he, he goes somewhere else, 
you can get a, an established coach, an established uh, team, and work with that rather than just trying to rebuild a whole team and you're the guy paving the way. You know, sometimes it's just not worth it. Sometimes it's just not enough. And then the last example is Payne Manning. Like Payne Manning, his first year was abysmal. His first year, I think he only won like one game um, or maybe three. I, th- I think it went three, three and 13 in the Colts' first season with, um, with the Colts. And it took some time to really get it going. But even then, you had some established players on there and it just needed time to grow. You know, he had Tony Dungy, he had Marvin Harrison, he had different guys around him that would just take a little bit to to put it all together. I don't see that in Cincinnati. I don't see Joe Burrow coming in after a perfect season, winning the Heisman, being the best quarterback in the college football era, being with a national championship team like LSU that went undefeated, a perfect season, beating all the top teams. Nothing can go wrong for LSU and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the man. Joe Burrow takes over the nation. And to go to a team like Cincinnati that is nowhere ready to have a guy like Burrow be number one, it's too much to ask for. You're already setting the level too high for Burrow to come in and say, take us to the promised land. Take us all the way. Let me get an offensive line so I can throw to my receivers, that I can have room to breathe for more than two seconds. I need that time. This is not going to work if you're offensive-minded coaching and your quarterback-heavy offense is depleted and anchored by the number one thing that's important for a quarterback and for a running back is an offensive line. No one's going to succeed if you don't have an offensive line. Look at Baker. He can't succeed because he doesn't have good coaching. He doesn't have an offensive line. It does not matter if you put OBJ. It doesn't matter if you put Jerry fucking Rice at receiver. If you don't have the offensive line to give him time to throw, it doesn't matter if your guy is OBJ and can run down the field and get open. He's going to be open in three seconds. He has time to throw for one and has to throw a check down. Same thing in what? In two years ago with Josh Rosen. You can have a great, great mechanical, fundamental quarterback that is a pocket passer in a West Coast offense. It doesn't matter if your offensive line is giving up the most sacks in the NFL. It doesn't matter. Look at the transition that the Titans made this season. Is with Marcus Mariota, they give up the most sacks in the NFL. As soon as Ryan Tannehill came in, he succeeded. Why? Because he's a probably a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. But he had his offensive line flourish. They didn't give up as, much, as many sacks. And that's when you saw Derrick Henry really stride into one of his historic seasons. And, one of, and probably the best season of his career. Because he started to have an offensive line that opened the gaps for him. He would get that first wave done through his offensive line. And then he would just break open to break tackles to truck people. It is all fundamentally starting with the offensive line. And Joe Burrow will not have that in Cincinnati. He will have weapons around him, but it will not matter if he doesn't have an offensive line giving him time to throw and a coaching staff that doesn't know what they're doing because they're unexperienced. So let's go into the teams and the second reason why 
I think Joe Burrow will be one of the biggest busts in the NFL, is look at what the NFL, like, elite tier is made out of. Look at the playoffs this season. And look, especially the two teams in the Super Bowl right now. Especially the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who not only wasn't the highly scouted QB from Texas Tech because Mitchell Trubisky was picked over him. He was a second quarterback picked later in that first round. And even then, when Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs picked Patrick Mahomes, he wasn't going to go number one. He wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. Eventually, he'd be the starting quarterback. And that's where a lot of teams get it right, is they get a guy like Patrick Mahomes who is talented, who is you know, a marvelous quarterback that has high potential and has high upside. But what they do is, I know you're better than Alex Smith. Alex Smith is not as good of a quarterback as you are. He does not have a better arm. He probably doesn't have the same instincts as you. But what I want you to do under Andy Reid's system is learn under Alex Smith, who has been in the league for so long that he knows the ins and outs of offenses, of defenses, and knows how to carry himself as a leader in the locker room. Learn from him for a year. But as soon as we do that, we're going to trade him. We're going to see how far we can go with him. But you are the future. Learn under him. And then next year, I guarantee you, you are going to be the starting quarterback of this team. And we're going to go far. Because you are experienced now. You're in your second year. You get adjusted to the NFL system. To the offense that we're building here creatively in Andy Reid's system in Kansas City. And you will flourish because we put an offensive line in front of you with first-round picks. We're going to put weapons around you in Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. You know, we're we're going to have an offensive-minded team with Andy Reid, who is an experienced coach and a play caller in Andy Reid. And from there, we're going to build. We're going to just take it year by year, but you are going to take us far. Look at Green Bay under Mike McCarthy, those early years and later in his career, um, Brett Favre went as long as he could as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And then Aaron Rodgers comes in, highly touted as, as a great, talented, physically like like God-given talent from, from the University of California and is taken in the first round and doesn't start. You know, he, he goes under Brett Favre to learn from him for years. And it's really until Brett Favre is starting to decay, that's when you see Aaron Rodgers come in. Same idea. Look, you're probably, you know, Brett Favre is a, is a Hall of Famer. You know, I know you're going to be great, but just give it some time and I guarantee you it will lead to success later on. Just learn the system, get adjusted. You're, you're such a gunslinger like Brett Favre. You're going to fit well into Green Bay. Just give us patience, give us time, and I know you will succeed. And it works in Green Bay. They win a Super Bowl out of it. And they're one of the most consistent organizations in the NFL today. Then you look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who learned under Tom Brady, who learned under Bill Belichick, didn't get the start immediately, was going to be the future of the New England Patriots before the trade happened. And then you get sent to San Francisco, and you're put as the guy. 
But at that point, you've already learned from it. And you have a Kyle Shanahan who's going to build everything around you to make sure you're comfortable. You don't have to be the best guy. But we're going to get you far for the pieces around you. And you just got to do your part. Do your job and we get it done. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the best quarterback in the NFL. And him throwing eight times in a championship game is ridiculous. But that's what helps when you have an organization and a coaching staff that is ready for a quarterback like that to protect him to make sure he's in the best position possible to succeed. Um, and that helps with the running game as well. It helps with the quarterback play, but it's all done through the offensive line. And then you just have other guys like uh, the, the example of not going to a highly scouted college program. You look at Drew Brees, you look at even um, Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, Ben Roethlisberger, who didn't go to these highly scouted, highly um, over-posterized college programs like Ohio State, like LSU, like Alabama. They don't go to those programs. They fight for their way into community college to JUCO and then go into a transfer of a good but not great program. But they learn from there. They're, they're not the best quarterbacks, but they learn to be gritty. They learn to be tough. They learn to be physical. And it fits more to the styles of these NFL teams. And, and they play a lot more of those West Coast offenses. And then they go, you know, somewhat in the middle of the draft, you know, kind of higher in the draft, like fourth or fifth round. And those guys are either legends in the sport from the past generation. And then these new guys that are coming in, you know, the, the the rookie sensations or the young talent that is taking over the league. You know, I would put Dak Prescott in that situation. Mississippi State in the fourth round. He wasn't expected to be the starter at all. No one knew his name before Tony Romo got hurt. No one knew who he was before that. You didn't know Aaron Rodgers' name until Brett Favre finally left and then they put in Aaron Rodgers. You didn't know who Drew Brees was coming out of Purdue. You didn't know the guy. He was good. He broke records in there, but you just think he's a small guy. You know, you have his, your doubts. You have these doubts about these players. What doubts do we have about Joe Burrow? Other than the fact that he's going to the Cincinnati Bengals. As far as him as a quarterback, he is breaking records. He had the most touchdowns in a single season in college with 60. He won the Heisman for the best player in college. He is probably the best quarterback to come out of college in years and decades he came from a program like LSU that went undefeated, beat Alabama, beat Georgia, beat Oklahoma, beat every single team imaginable, and won the title at the end. He beat the other best program that has been a dynasty so far in college football in Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. But Coach O is just great. He has one of the best coaches in college football. He has... One of the most talented receivers and tight ends in, in the college in college football. Um, one of the best running backs. A tremendous defense alongside a great coaching staff. Hit me with it, Coach O. Go Tigers. My man. So how can we really look at Joe Burrow and, and talk about his flaws when he really doesn't have any? He's a great pocket passer. He can use his legs. His instincts are phenomenal. His composure is what won them the championship 
last Monday. He's a he's a leader. He's cool, calm, collected. He's a great guy you want to get behind. How can you not get behind a quarterback like that who is just gifted and has a great story behind him? He wasn't given everything. He had to fight for everything. He wasn't recruited by his family's college in Nebraska. He didn't get the start at Ohio State. He had to transfer over to LSU. And in his first season at LSU, he only had 16 touchdowns. He had this this team was going nowhere until Coach O got there. And then became an American sensation within a season and is now being the number one overall draft pick for so many weeks and months that Tua Tagovailoa was going to go number one. Even I said it too because I just didn't believe in Joe Burrow. But then watching him play is astonishing to see a man make it look so easy. it's, It's a once in a lifetime type of quarterback. But we've seen it time and time again. A once-in-a-lifetime type of quarterback in a program that is one of the best in the nation. You know, Jameis Winston goes to Florida State. They win the championship. They go undefeated. And he's one of the biggest, biggest regrets that I think the Tampa Bay Bucks should look at for the rest of their organization's career. Is that he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's one of the worst starters in the league. And don't at me on that. Marcus Mariota got benched by Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill took them to the AFC Championship. Within half a season. With the same coaching staff. With the same players. With the same offensive line. Tannehill made Mariota's career gone. Poof. Within a season. Within half a season. Cam Newton. Most overrated quarterback that I've ever seen in my lifetime. By far. And then you look at other highly anticipated quarterbacks throughout the years who can take over the league within a few years of being in the league, like Sam Darnold, like Josh Allen, like Baker Mayfield. I'm still high on Baker Mayfield. But yeah, you're not going anywhere if you don't have everything around you. If you don't have at least a solid, established, and stable organization around you. None of those guys have that. None of them have that. Lamar Jackson had no, no expectations coming out of Louisville. He was expected to be a running back. He wasn't going to be a quarterback. And a lot of scouts said he's not going to make it in this league. He's going to be the MVP of this season. So we're totally wrong on a lot of quarterbacks. We could be completely wrong. Look, I I should have said this from the very beginning. I want to see Joe Burrow take over the league. I love seeing Gardner Minshew take over Jacksonville and take over the league. That Minshew magic was amazing. And really, out of all the quarterbacks last year, Kyler Murray, and then looking at like Gardner Minshew, those are really the only guys that I felt like there's a lot of positives to them. There really is a lot of positive to those uh, to those guys. A lot of upside. So, I would love to see Joe Burrow just put Cincinnati Bengals on his back and lead that team to a playoff run or at least a winning season. With their new coach. Make everyone else look good. Imagine him with A.J. Green if he's healthy. If he stays in Cincinnati. Because he could be on the trading block. Or he could just leave Cincinnati. But imagine him building that relationship. With with A.J. Green. Imagine if he wanted to. Either keep Tyler Eifert. Or. Maybe bring Santana Moss. Not Santana Moss. I'm dumb. Thaddeus Moss. Um, because he just has that great friendship with him. 
Who knows where Moss is going to go in the draft? I want to see Joe Burrow succeed. I never want to see a guy be a bus in the NFL. Never want to see it. Look, I'm not high on a lot of guys. You know, I, I don't think Sam Darnold is as good as people think. But I'm not going to say I want that man's career to be ruined. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to say that. No one should wish ill will to anybody. The reason why Joe Burrow is going to be a bust is he's not going to live up to everyone's expectations. Everyone's going to expect him to throw for 60 touchdowns, break every Payne Manning record, every Drew Brees record, because he's that good in college. Like, there's no flaws to him. He should be the number one overall draft pick because he's so damn good. How can we put him at that pedestal and meet those expectations? No matter what organization, no matter what player you are, everyone's going to think, well, you're not as good as this. Oh, well, I expected more out of you. Do you really think that people look at LeBron James and say, well, he's done everything. He's he's perfect. No, they're going to say he hasn't won most championships. He hasn't win he hasn't won more championships. He he doesn't lead the league in points. He doesn't lead the league in steals, rebounds, assists, blah 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 blah. He doesn't have the most points per game. He doesn't have the most points in a game. Everyone's going to have their doubts. Everyone's going to say, "Well, you're not good enough." You're not as good as Jordan. You're not as good as Wilt Chamberlain. You're not as good as Kareem. There's always a but. There's always a hesitation to say, well, he actually met those expectations. Even Peyton Manning. I think he exceeded most people's expectations, especially after that first year. He was great in Tennessee, but he wasn't going to be Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, like he is in the NFL. Tom Brady. Definitely wasn't supposed to be the GOAT. You know, Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't supposed to be the most gifted and talented quarterback that we've ever seen. The most pure passer in the league. Or the, the best pure passer in the league. You know, we're, we're just setting so such high expectations for Joe Burrow. I want to see him succeed so bad. But it's just not going to happen, people. And it definitely won't happen with the Cincinnati Bengals. The league is being taken over by these young quarterbacks. Some veterans are still atop the league, but it's being taken over by guys like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, who even then they weren't expected to be this. You know, they were supposed to be creative. They were supposed to be fun to watch, but not the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They're not at the same level that Joe Burrow is expected to be. Some people still think that Tua is the better quarterback. And I don't really understand why. Really don't expect it. Maybe Tua is going to have a better career just because now with all the injuries, now with all these little hesitations of whether or not he'll transfer over because of the hip, because of the knees, because of the ankles. I, I, I wouldn't be too high on Tua right now. But at least we're limiting those expectations to where he can probably exceed those or at least meet those expectations. Joe Burrow has no excuses. Joe Burrow is expected to do everything. And Cincinnati is just not the way to go. Cincinnati is not the place for him to do it. So that's why I say probably after his rookie deal is done, where Cincinnati is going to throw all the money in the world at him to keep him, I'd say it's best for him to leave. And, and go somewhere that he can succeed. Go somewhere like 
the New England Patriots. Go somewhere like the Bears. Go somewhere like, oh, fucking the Dallas Cowboys. Because who knows if Dax is going to stay. Because, you know, it's... Well, I mean, now that Mike McCarthy's there, he'll probably stay. Um, but you get what I mean. He, You want to go to someone that's not high on the draft order. You want to go with someone who's established that just needs that one little piece. Go to, like, the Minnesota Vikings. You know, they need that one quarterback. They don't need him to do everything. Cincinnati wants Joe Burrow to do everything. And that's just not going to work. So, you're going to Cincinnati that has nothing going for them. Which, the experiment for me is already failing. It's supposed to be a quarterback-friendly offense. And Andy Dalton came off the worst career, or worse, one of the worst seasons of his career. And Ryan Finley is just there. You know, like, that didn't work either. Then you have the fact that this league is, you know, it is truly succeeded with quarterbacks that don't come from big colleges and are not expected to do anything. Or at least not to the same level as Joe Burrow is right now. So it's it's just too much. It is too high for Joe Burrow to succeed in this NFL era. When it's a quarterback heavy you know, team. It's a quarterback heavy league. And really the teams that are in the Super Bowl right now. Are teams that have great offensive lines. That run the ball really well. You know in the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes is just the beast, but their defense really stepped up in these last few games. The 49ers defense has been the best in the NFL so far. So you can't just say, like, Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes in the NFC Championship game. How can you say that it's all based on the quarterback and it's a quarterback league when Raheem Mostert ran for 200 yards? And that's why they won that game against the Packers. When Green Bay has the better quarterback. So it's, it's just not quarterback. You can't just look at quarterback and say that's what's going to win us football games. That is how most people lose games in the NFL and not make it past the regular season. A lot of those top leading passers in the NFL in yards, a lot of them didn't make the playoffs. Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, all those guys did not make it to the playoffs because they thought the quarterback was the most important part. It is not. It is definitely not. So that is the main issue that Cincinnati will have. They are going to put all their chips, put their all their eggs in one basket in Joe Burrow as the quarterback, as our star, when really they have nothing to look forward to next season because Joe Burrow will either get hurt, will be the most sacked quarterback in the league, and his stats will not look good to people, and they will just say, the magic is gone. Look at Josh Rosen. Look at how good he was at UCLA. And he went to a really bad organization in Arizona that had no offensive line. That had nothing really working for him on the offense. They had no trust in him. It's going to be so easy for Cincinnati to be like, oh, well, Zach, you had a really bad season again, so we're going to get rid of you. And it's a whole new process for Joe Burrow to learn under that offense unless it's an inexperienced coach and just brings in a whole offensive line out of nowhere. This is hard. This is going to be a hard transition for Joe Burrow. Because you looked at these other quarterbacks that are going to like the Jets, the Browns, the Cardinals. You know, these teams aren't ready for a quarterback like that. They are not ready for it. So how can you say that Joe Burrow is going to succeed when 
there's nothing going for him other than the fact that he's a solid individual with nothing around him. It takes 52 other guys to make a quarterback successful. It's not just the quarterback. It's not just one coach. It is a whole team's effort to make them look good. And a lot of teams have done it right to where they slowly but surely transition a player into that starting role or give them all the keys to success around him. It's not as easy to just plug in Joe Burrow and see what happens. It's not going to happen, and that's what Cincinnati is going to do to this man. And they're going to ruin his his spark. They're going to ruin his magic. So, I really, at best, I expect Joe Burrow to be okay, if not bad, in Cincinnati, and then really get his career going once he leaves there. If he stays in Cincinnati for most of his career, it's going to be Andy Dalton. But what's the difference between him and Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton came from TCU. Didn't win a championship, didn't win a Heisman, and was just picked in the draft as, that's our next quarterback. We'll see what we can do with him. When Joe Burrow's like, that's our perfect quarterback. That's a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. We got to win championships with him. Otherwise, it's a bust, but it's going to be worse than that. They might even win more than four games next year, and that's a sad truth to look at if you're Burrow. So that's my take on Joe Burrow and why I think he's going to be the biggest bust in NFL history. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I'll come back later on another take about the Pro Bowl and uh, talk more about sports. You know, We're going to do that, and we're going to have some special guests as we go on as we go along in this year. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.